Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Check, check, check. Can you guys hear me? I think we're good. I've been battling these hiccups for the past 20 minutes, give or take. And I'm trying, and I want to get through this episode. I do. But, oh my goodness, these hiccups are brutal. Oh my God. I'm going to try to fight through this because I want to get this episode recorded. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about. But thank you guys so much for clicking on this episode Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and joining to episode number 100. <laughs> Jesus. Episode number 168 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And again, thank you so much for clicking on today's episode. If you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. Hopefully, you guys had a good week. Whew. Oh my goodness, this is why I wish I had a co-host. I could just be like, hey, take over for a bit. Let me die. Let me figure my thing out. And I'll get back to you. Because this is something that I I am struggling to deal with right now. But hey, we're going to battle through it. We're going to patch it together. And hopefully the hiccups can go away between now and, I don't know, some point early here in this episode, but holy crap, we do have a lot to talk about. I'm very excited to do so because I want to pick up off the topic from last week, and that is the Luka Doncic, uh, one of one National Treasure RPA rookie card that was on auction, and obviously it has closed, so I want to talk about that card today. Just to recap really quickly, we talked about the 2018-19 National Treasures Luka Doncic RPA 1 of 1 BGS 9. Uh, last year in March, it sold for $4.6 million in a private sale. This time, it is up for public auction, making its public debut. We talked about, uh, what else did we talk about? How it was already over a million dollars, that the auction was going to end on the 17th, which was yesterday. Uh, it's run through PWCC, and I'm trying to see if there's anything else to kind of touch upon. And obviously, oh, I mentioned that regardless of the sale of this auction is not going to dictate 
the landscape of the sports card market. It's not going to dictate the market for Luca cards. This is truly a one of one, a card that you will not see every day, and it's something that you can make your own price for. And there's a select few cards that you know allow themselves to do that, and this is definitely one of them. Obviously, it previously sold for $4.6 million. That was in March of 2021. Different time in society than now. How is it going to look like compared to back then in terms of the final price that is being paid, especially since we're in a down, or I like to look at it as a correcting market. Very intriguing. Obviously, we have all the details right now in front of us. This is brought to an uh, article from TMZ.com. This article is written at 7 7 a.m. Pacific time, so 10, p, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time, so just an hour ago. Luka Doncic rookie card sells for $3.12 million, sets all-time record, which questionable, but anyways. Luka Doncic continues to break records on and off the court. Uh, does it say who this article is written by? Um, I'd like to give credit where credit is due. All I know is it's by TMZ. Okay, there is no... Okay, no no author of this article, so we're just going to carry on here. Uh, let's see. Luka Doncic continues to break records on and off the court. His 2018 National Treasures rookie NBA logo man patch card of a one-of-one one just sold for $3.12 million at auction. The ultra-rare card sold at a PWCC auction Thursday night and set a new all-time record for a basketball card sold at public auction. The card features an image of the 23-year-old hoop star on the front along with an actual patch from a jersey he wore during his rookie year and an autograph. The back has a quote from Luca's rookie when he joked he'd retire if he dunked on LeBron. Quote, this is the highest price ever realized for a basketball card sold in a verified public auction, said Jesse Craig, vice president of sales at PWCC uh, Marketplace. Quote, when this card went back, when this card went to the block, we purposely avoided speculation on a price because this was an important moment for the market to decide on the value of Luca's best trading card. End quote. In 2021, this same Luca card reportedly sold at a private sale for $4.6 million, but PWCC auction was the first chance bidders had to acquire the commodity on the open market. Speaking of LeBron James, the all-time record for a basketball trading card is $5.2 million, which a collector paid in a private sale, not an auction, for an upper-deck exquisite LeBron James card. As for Doncic, he's, having, he's again having an MVP caliber season in Dallas, and it's clear Luka Mania isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Congrats to the new owner. So what can we take away from this article here? Short article, but very informative article. $3.12 million, new record for basketball cards in a public auction, which is really good. It shows that there is still money to be had in this in this hobby. People are still willing to put money into this hobby. Something I've noticed is, I'd like to say gradually decreasing here at the shop, is that people are just looking to either sell or people are looking to trade. Not a lot of people are looking to put money back into the hobby or put money into the hobby in general. But to see a card, any card, doesn't matter who it is, go for $3.12 million, it does leave hope. Again, this is a, you know, an anomalyptic card, right? A 
uh, 1%, 1%, and 1%, so one of one, right? But it's still good to see that someone's dishing out $3.12 million to have a piece of cardboard graded. It's really refreshing because, again, not a lot of people want to buy. Not a lot of people want to uh, just put money back into the hobby, which is a little concerning for the overhaul. Again, this card is in a class of its own. So it's really, we can't at all say that, oh, the hobby's alive, the hobby's doing great, the hobby is thriving right now. Because at the end of the day, $3.12 million for this uh, for the previous owner selling it for $3.12 million is still a loss from what she paid for, what was it, $4.6 million. So there's still an, a, a loss there to be had. Again, different time, different economics, uh, situation, different societal situation back in March of 2021 compared to, uh, was it November of 2022? So it's, it's hard to compare apples to apples because this card selling, this card could have sold for $2 million, it could have sold for $10 million. It would not have changed the grand landscape of the hobby. It just wouldn't because how many people are dishing out $3.12 million to buy this card? Not me, not you, I'm not yet, I'm, I don't think, but it is still nice to see that a card like this, almost two years, let's call it a year and a half after its original purchase, is still selling for multi, uh, multiple millions of dollars. And then obviously, let's see, this is the highest price ever realized for a basketball card sold in a verified public auction, said Jesse Craig. Will there be more high-end cards like this going up for auction soon? Obviously, I talked about last episode that the timing of this was a little weird because the market was down, the market's correcting itself, basketball just started, yes, Luke is playing out of his mind, so that's a a possible factor on why to list it at the time that the, uh, the original owner or the previous owner did, but there's still a lot of question marks around in the fact that the market is down, so there's two ways that you could look at it. $4.6 million from the purchase to 3.12, that's an L. Or you could look at it as recouping money, they're going to invest it somewhere else. Or we can say, hey, $3.12 million is still a record. It's still, you know, a record for public auction. Hobby's doing okay. It's something that we'll have to keep an eye on as the, the weeks and the months go on as the season progresses because we can't look up comps on this car like we can, let's say, a, a Luka Donich. Prism PSA 10, right, rookie card. We can look up the comps of that and see what it's doing uh, yesterday, the day before, last week, last month, whenever. This card is in a class of its own. Any card like this is in a class of its own. So I just wanted to touch upon this this topic that we talked about last time. We just really circle back and, you know, dot the I's across the T's just because when I first talked about it, it was still public, it was open, and now that it's closed, I just want to kind of circle back. But speaking of circling back, I do want to open up a new conversation about the Boston Bruins, a team that I haven't talked about much just because I've been so focused on Patriots, of course, and then having some hobby-based discussions like the Luka that we just had. But I do want to talk about the Bruins and their really good historic start to the season. They're currently 15-2-0 on the season, and they're on a historic pace right now. And this article came out about 12 hours ago from Jason, oh man, dude, I'm going to butcher your last name, 
Oun Praseth. Uh, this is from Nesson.com. Definitely butchered that last name, guys. But Jason, there's an actual author's name for this. Um, and it's titled, Nick Felino Explains Why Bruins Offense Has Been So Successful. Even with the three-day break, the Bruins offense didn't slow down at the TD Garden. Boston beat the Philadelphia Flyers 4-1 to improve to 15-2-0 on the year and continues its undefeated run at home at 10-0-0. Goaltender Linus Olmark and the Blue Line deserve their credit for the black and gold's hot start, but it's the Bruins offense that has captured headlines. Boston's play in the third period especially has been the highlight of the season so far. After Thursday's win, the Bruins are an NHL best plus 18 in the final period, and the Bees lead the league with 68 goals scored. During Boston's hot run, Nick Foligno has seen improved play from last year, and he explained what has made the Bruins so effective on offense this season. Quote, I think that's what's so great about head coach Jim Montgomery's system, is it's so fast but unpredictable, and I think we really enjoy playing in it. Foligno told reporters as seen on Nesson's post-game coverage, quote, I think it's tailored to a lot of guys in the room, and I think we feel that we are playing. We know where guys are supposed to be. You can kind of have that sixth sense. It's dangerous because we're playing with so much speed, too. And so when those guys are right are in the right spots, it makes it really hard on other teams, and I think you're seeing that right now, end quote. Felino notched two assists Thursday night to move his career total to 300 in his 16th career season. The Bruins will hope to win their sixth game in a row and remain undefeated at home when they take on the Chicago Blackhawks on Saturday. Now the Bruins, like I said, I haven't talked all too much about them, but they're absolutely going crazy. I mean, do we even look at the standings and try to compare and contrast other teams to what they're doing right now? They lead the Atlantic Division by eight points. Again, it's still early in the season. It is still very early in the season. A lot still needs to be decided. But I do like where this team is going. I've mentioned it before. I'm sure you've heard it elsewhere that this is probably the Bruins' last true hoorah at this. Krejci's back for one year. Bergeron's back for one year. Marchand's aging. Pasternak doesn't have a contract yet, which I do hope he will resign. But, I mean, the Bruins have been absolutely crazy this year, and they deserve all the respect and all the praise in the world. But can they keep it up? Again, I want to hold my pause because we're only 17 games into the season, and you know me, whether it's hockey or basketball, I like to wait till we're about 20 to 25 games into the season, and we're rapidly approaching that. Even once we cross that threshold, I still want to reserve my opinion about it because it'll still be early until we reach the halfway point. Teams can get off to hot starts and fall apart. Teams can be off to slow starts and just put the building blocks back together and figure it out. I think the Bruins right now are doing fantastic, are playing fantastic before Marshan come came back, before McAvoy came back. And I sat here and mentioned how important that was to grab all these points because you don't know where you will be in the standings by the time two of your best players come back. So to be able to just capture as many points as possible prior to their return would would have been so crucial because let's say you were f- third or fourth, right, in, in the Atlantic division. 
and then you get those two guys to come back. Now those guys can be like superstar acquisitions. They can give you a boost and really help propel you to a top three seed in the Atlantic Division. However, where you're already at that point, when they did come back, it just helps fuel the fire to continue with that, you know, top of the standings push and that, you know, top tier elite play that we're seeing from the Bruins just really continue to push forward. Again, you know, they've been back for, Berger, um, Marshan's been back for a couple of weeks now. Mark McAvoy's been back for two weeks, I want to say. And they have 30 points again through 17 games, which is crazy. It's awesome. 69 goals for, 36 goals against with a differential of 33. That is probably the stat that stands out to me the most is 33 goals differential. Sec- I'm trying to look at the rest of the league to see what's, uh, who's second. 33. Uh, the Devils have 22, and the Golden Knights have 22 as well. Everyone else is either in the uh, single digits. So let's see. The Islanders have 13. And there was a Western team. Uh, the Stars have 19. Avalanche 14. Jets 11. Everyone else, single digits or in the negatives. So the Bruins, in terms of goal scoring and goal prevention, are an elite class by themselves. And that's something that is really refreshing to see is that they're able to score on the power play. They're able to score five on five, four on four, regardless whether it's full strength, special team, shorthanded, uh, you know, man advantage, doesn't matter. They're able to keep the puck out of the net regardless of the situation. And they're also able to put the puck in the net regardless of the situation, resulting in that 33 goal differential. And I think that's going to be absolutely crucial because last year, they you know, really struggled. Let me pull up last year's record. They really struggled to separate themselves from goal differential, and uh, goals for and goals against, because you look at the top, the Panthers last year, who finished first with 122 points, had 94. The Maple Leafs, who finished second, had 62, Lightning 54, and then you were sitting there with 35 goal differential. Again, the season's going to change as you know we get further and further. You're going to drop a few in a row. You're going to win a bunch in a row. So it's really going to change all throughout the season. And I'm just trying to see what other teams, and that's the Western Conference. I don't care about the West. Uh, I'm just trying to see what other teams, other playoff teams had. So the Bruins had the least goal diff in the Atlantic Division last year. Hurricanes 76, Rangers 47, Penguins 43, Capitals 30. That's in the East at least. The West, it gets a very weird. In the West, you have the Stars at minus 8, Predators at 14, Kings at 3. Yeah, wow. Okay, so it gets really weird in the in the West. But still, circling back to the goals, uh, differential, 33 this early in the season can really propel you in a lot of games. Bruins didn't look that great in the first period last night to start. However, they were able to manage. They were able to keep skating, keep fighting, keep pushing, and then they broke through. And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest differences between last year and this year is their resiliency, their determination, their motivation, their focus to actually go out and play and play at an elite level, which this team is more than capable of doing. So that's going to be my quick Bruins segment. If you guys have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything about that, 
let me know via social media at Merck's Card Town. Reach out to me down in the comment section below if you listen to this on YouTube. I'd love to read and reply to all those. But let's switch over to football and the Patriots because I may deserve you an apology. Possibly. I don't really know because I still have a lot of information and such to back up my original take of the Patriots. And yes, the Patriots are currently the seventh seed in the AFC. They're currently five and four. However, they're also last in the AFC East. So there's still a lot to be determined, obviously, because, you know, we're still, what are we, halfway through the regular season now? But you guys know me. I've sat here and I said that the Patriots are going to finish 6-11 and at best before the Mac Jones injury. And I'm not going to lie. They've won a few, a couple games in a row, coming off the bye week, playing the Jets on Sunday. They could move, they could improve to six and four without a doubt. And I think a lot of Patriot fans around here will feel really good about that situation, all things considered. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. But how good are the Patriots really, though? How good is this team really? Now, in their five wins, because we can only can't talk about the Jets because they haven't yet to beat the Jets for the second time. In their five wins so far, they've beat the Steelers, they've beat the Lions, the Browns, the Jets, and the Colts. Are those all really good wins, though? Are all of those really good wins? Oh, ESPN. Um, FSG Fenway Sports Group Chairman uh, let's see Tom Warner says Fenway Sports Group is exploring sale but there's no urgency to complete any potential deal okay that's good to know I could really care less how good are the Patriots wins again they beat the Steelers who are a sub 500 team they beat the Lions who are a sub 500 team they beat the Browns sub 500 team the jets who currently the jets are currently six and three so i'll give them credit there that was a good win but i mean would we be surprised if the jets finished like nine and nine and eight and missed the playoffs i don't think any of us would be would we be surprised if they go eight and nine and still miss the playoffs no but I'll, hey it's a good divisional win against a team that was, what, were they 5-2 and two at that time? So I'll give them that credit. I'll give them that win. And then they beat the Colts, who are also under 500 at 4-5. and five. And I guess at the time of that win, uh, the Patriots win, they beat the Colts, who were then 3-5-1. and one, Or pushed them to 3-5-1. and one. They just won last week. So how impressed, and that was against a, a rookie, well, not rookie, a young quarterback in Sam Allinger. So how really impressive is this Patriots 5-4 and four record because the Dolphins that are a good team this year they've lost to the Ravens who are a good team this year they lost to 
we expected the Packers to be good this year, and you could make an argument that they had a slow start and they would still be a good team back on October 2nd, but they're starting to, or are are appearing to be a bad team. Lost to, the, the, uh, we'll see, what the other loss? The Chicago Bears, who they lost 33-14 to to, are a sub-500 team. They're 3-5. and five. And that was their last loss. So in your four losses... You lost to one good team, two good teams. Again, the the Packers you would expect to be a good team back on October 2nd. But if you want to call them a bad team, fine. And they lost to another bad team in the Chicago Bears. Did they beat any good teams? Again, I'll give you the Jets win. But it, again, it's the Jets. We can't confidently say that they're a good team. At least not yet. So that just leaves me to look at this. Patriots schedule here of games that they have played and be like where am I supposed to be impressed now I understand they had Bailey Zappi for a little bit and they played well with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones appears to have gotten his footing back and he's starting to play better but when you're five and four with eight games left and a lot of good teams ahead of you on your schedule you have to sit there and think this Patriots team may not win two more games. Now they might. They might win three, four games. Who knows? But listen to who they're still playing for the rest of the season. Who's still on their schedule? You have the Jets in Foxborough on Sunday, which I'll talk more about in-depthly. You have the Vikings on Thanksgiving in Minnesota. The Bills at home on Thursday Night Football. Then you have the then you go to Arizona to play the Cardinals, who again, you know, they're kind of a an iffy team per se, but they're four and six, you know. Okay, if you want to call them a bad team, go ahead. You know, if I'm gonna sit here and call the um uh what was it, the the Colts a bad team, I guess I have to call the Cardinals a bad team to be consistent. The Raiders who are a bad team, that should be a win. Bengals are a good team. Right now they're on the outside looking in, but I mean they're five and four, they're above five hundred. The only thing that separates you from them in the playoffs is obviously, you know, some conference tiebreakers. Then you got the Dolphins on January 1st, and then you go to Buffalo on January 8th. In reality, I see the Patriots maybe winning three games. And I'm just going to blindly guess Jets, Cardinals, Raiders. I think those are the three games that they'll win. Hey, I could be wrong. They could win less. They could win more. Who knows? But we're speculating here. That's what we do. And if that's the case, they only win three of their next eight games. That puts the Patriots at eight and nine. And that is not going to give them a playoff spot. Absolutely not. The Chargers are five and four. They're right behind you. The Bengals are five and four. They're right behind you. Could the Colts make a play at four, five, and one? Maybe. But you have the tiebreaker, so that could really play into effect you have uh, the Browns three and six tiebreaker you hold I'm not going to get into the Broncos or anybody below that so with these teams underperforming such as the the Raiders the Steelers the Broncos the Browns and I guess we could throw the Colts in there short because they're currently under 500 these are all teams that we expected to either be in the playoffs or be in the mix for the playoffs And right now, they're all on the outside looking in. Again, still a lot of games to be played. Browns could sneak in. Colts could sneak in. 
there's still a lot to be determined between now and the at the end of the regular season. However, I just don't see a world where the Patriots can go into Minnesota on Thanksgiving night and win. I don't think they can beat Buffalo twice, let alone once. The Bengals, you know, they'll have Jamar Chase. He'll be healthy. They'll be, you know, ready to rock and roll to really compete for that uh, AFC North. And the Dolphins, who already beat you in Miami, they might be able to come up here and beat you again in Foxborough because I think right now they're the best team in the AFC East. And you can make an argument they're the best team in the AFC in general, maybe outside of the Chiefs. So where does that really leave the Patriots looking big picture? 8-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and eight maybe? Like, does that get you in the playoffs, 9-8? and eight? I just don't think so. I don't say hey, maybe it might, and I could you know eat my words, and I hope I do. They got in last year at ten and seven, and listen, trust me, I really do hope I eat my words on this. But just based off of the Patriots' previous wins and losses, you know, for what we have this year in twenty twenty two, I'm not impressed with any of their wins. Wins against the Steelers, Mitchell Trubisky, they won by three. A win against the Lions at home, without Amon Ross St. Brown or DeAndre Swift that game. And you weren't even able to take advantage of the worst defense in the league. You kicked five field goals. You beat the Browns. Okay, nice little win. They're still a nice little win, but okay. Uh, they lost to the Bears and the Jets. You know, if Zach Wilson didn't throw that pick, they could have won that. But hey, you got the stop. You you know, you, you made a stand and you won the game. I'll give you that credit. And then the Colts against Sam Ellinger in his first career start in the game prior to Frank Wright getting fired. Like, not impressed with that win at all. And that's at home, too. So I just, I'm left to not, you know, looking at the whole season. I'm not going to look at individual starts. Oh, look, Bailey Zappi did this, and Bailey Zappi did that, but Mac Jones did this. I'm just going to look at the season as a complete whole so far through nine weeks, well, I guess through ten weeks for the Patriots, is I'm not impressed. Good, good teams they played. They lost to the Dolphins. They lost to the, the Ravens. Good team. Uh, let's see, they lost to the Bears, who are expected to be a bad team, but maybe they make a play in the NFC uh, wild card. Who knows? Doubt it. Doubt it. But, I mean, listen, there's a bunch of teams that are 3-7. and seven. couple wins in a row, you know, they could be back in that mix. But that NFC is a completely different animal. I mean, they're both separate, AFC, NFC. But you lost to arguably, or I guess statistically the worst no not statistically technically the worst team in the nfc because the bears are currently sitting at 16th in the nfc picture so where am i supposed to be impressed guys let me know reach out to me via social media let me know down in the comments if you're that that's where you're listening to this video is on youtube where should i be impressed with this patriots should i have faith should i have hope and confidence that the patriots can string together more than two, three wins for the rest of the season and actually get into the playoffs. I would love for them to get into the playoffs, but I just don't see them beating the Vikings. I don't see them beating the Bills once. I don't see them beating the Dolphins or the Bengals. It's just going to be really, really tough. And, of course, the Vikings, too, on Thanksgiving night in Minnesota. A lot has to go their way in order for them to sneak in because, again, they have the Chargers, the Bengals, both breathing down their breathing down their neck. The Colts possibly still in the mix still. 
a lot has yet to be decided, and we still have a lot of regular season left to be played. But how do you guys feel about the Patriots right now at 5-4? and four? Do you like where they are at? Do you think they could be better? Do you think that they could be worse? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings about the Patriots through 10 weeks as they come off the bye week? And with that, I do want to lead into my next topic, which is Patriots versus Jets. Give you three things that I'm looking for in the Patriots-Jets game. Number one is attack Zach Wilson. Make him feel uncomfortable. Make him feel panic. He has a terrible passer rating in his career against the Patriots. He has not been very good against the Patriots in his three career games. So keep that energy, keep that level of of torture and uh, what's what's another good word here? Uh, torture and ferocity and just really make Zach Wilson collapse and fold under pressure. Matthew Judon is a force to be reckoned with this season. Hopefully he doesn't fizzle out like he did last year towards the back half of the season. I think the Patriots can really wreak havoc on Zach Wilson to make him struggle, to make him, you know, really perform poorly in the pocket like he has in years past. So that's the first thing I'm looking at between the Jets and the Patriots is just wreak havoc on Zach Wilson. Number two is I want to see what this run game looks like because with Ramondre Stevenson seemingly setting himself as the number one back in the Patriots' backfield, you still have Damian Harris, who's a more than capable running back. However, it seems like he's lost his starting job, but he's still a serviceable running back. Will you be able to take advantage of the Jets' defense and really effectively run the ball to take pressure on your passing offense, who I think is not at all that good? I really don't, and I think it's finally evident that people are accepting the fact that this passing offense is not good. I tried to tell you this over the offseason, whether here on the podcast or at the shop, Devontae Parker was not going to come in and figure it out. The only thing he was going to do was take away the number one corner to allow Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers to go out and be twos and threes like they are. We're not even seeing Kendrick Bourne and Parker's out. That's putting the number one corner on Jacoby Myers. We've seen absolutely nothing from Hunter Henry. We've seen absolutely nothing from Jonu Smith. It's the passing attack for the Patriots is a very difficult one to break down, comprehend, and really dissect. So that's why I think this offense is going to have to really lean on their running game, not only in this game, but just moving forward in general. So that's number two is the running game. Number three is I want this Patriots defense to really... I already talked about the Patriots defense wreaking havoc um, in the backfield for Zach Wilson, but I want this defense to step up and just shut down their receivers. Not just pressuring Zach Wilson, but suffocating their receivers. So Zach Wilson has no one to throw to. Maybe you get a couple coverage sacks. Maybe you get a couple coverage interceptions. But I think the really big thing that's separating the Patriots from a lot of these other teams is defense. Dolphins have a good defense. Ravens have a good defense. Bills have a good defense. Chiefs, not so much. But, I mean, they have the ability to make timely plays. Titans, not so much. But they have good players, and they can make timely plays. So I want the Patriots to really kind of establish themselves as a really good defense because in games past, they gave up three points to the Colts, 17 points to the Jets last week. 
Then you got torched for 33 against the Bears, 15 against the Browns, 0 the Lions. So it's like they've had their fair share of up and downs. But if the Patriots have any real legitimate chance at making the playoffs, they need to establish their defense as a defense to be reckoned with, one that you really need to game plan around, one that you really need to be fearful of. I'm not asking you to be the Steel Curtain or the 86 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. I'm not asking you to be like that. I'm just asking you to hold your opponents to maybe you know, 14 to 17 points per game you know, cause, uh, get a couple turnovers and, you know, really put pressure on the opposing offense. And I think that's something the Patriots can do against the majority of the teams that they're facing coming up and obviously the Jets as well. So those are the three things that I'm looking forward to in the Patriots versus Jets game is wreaking havoc in the backfield for Zach Wilson, making him panic, making him feel really uncomfortable. Number two is the Patriots run game. And number three is obviously establishing your defense as a suffocating defense that will allow your your offense to maybe have a little bit of pressure taken off of them. So those are the three things I'm looking forward to in the Patriots and Jets game that will be played on Sunday, November 20th at 1 p.m. in Gillette Stadium, Foxborough. So very excited for that. And we're not going to be able to talk about the Patriots and Viking game prior to when the game is played because that game's on thanksgiving and you won't hear episode number 169 until after that game has been played so i'm just going to briefly talk about it really really quickly but i'd rather save the majority of the conversation for breaking down the game uh, on next friday for episode number 169 but i really don't see a world where the patriots can dance with the vikings in minnesota uh, yeah, you have primetime Kirk Cousins, whip de doo but that offense is playing very well. Jefferson looks good. Hawkinson is gelling with the Vikings nicely. That defense in Minnesota is really picked up and is really starting to be a formidable defense that I want the Patriots' defense to be for the long haul of the season. Could I see this being a close game? Maybe, you know, a touchdown or at least a possession kind of a game. But I think at the end of the day, we've seen the resiliency from the Vikings. Uh, a couple bounces go their way, of course, as well. But I do think the Vikings are by and far the better team. And I do believe that will set them apart in this game against the Patriots on Thanksgiving. I think the Patriots could, you know, maybe run a little bit on the Vikings and create pressure on them, establish play action possibly. But when it goes pound for pound, punch for punch, I think the Patriots will kind of fizzle. Could Bill Belichick scheme something up to to slow down Kirk Cousins, that passing attack, just because it's Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I think at the end of the day, the resiliency and just the whole team camaraderie in Minnesota is significantly better than the Patriots. And I think that may be the difference. Obviously, plus home field, you don't have to travel on a short week. That all helps as well. But I really can't wait to break down this game on Friday for episode 169 because it'll be very interesting to see. We'll have the Patriots-Jets game to talk about. We'll have the Patriots-Vikings game to talk about. And there will be no game on the preceding Sunday, November 27th, for the Patriots as they'll have 10 days off, a mini bye week. Actually, no, no, they'll be playing again on Thursday uh, against the Bills on December 1st. So on the 25th for episode 169, we can talk about the Bills and the Patriots game. And then on 
December 2nd for episode number 170, we'll be able to break that game down, and then they'll have the 10 days off before they play the Cardinals on December 12th, which is my birthday. So a nice little Patriots game for my birthday, which would be very, very nice. However, that is going to wrap it up for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying if you're listening to this on uh, audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And if you listen to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe if you're new to the channel or haven't considered subscribing just yet, as I would greatly appreciate the love and support. Reach out to me via social media at Murph's Car Town on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook. I will not see you guys until after Thanksgiving. So first, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your week leading up to Thanksgiving. And of course, enjoy a happy, healthy, safe Thanksgiving with family and friends. Eat bountifully. Eat with thanks. And I can't wait to see you guys for episode number 169 next week. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.